Securities offered through Securities America, Inc. Member FINRA and SIPC. Advisory services offered through Securities America Advisors, Inc. Investors Advantage and the Securities America companies are separate entities. The opinions and forecasts expressed are those of the author, may not actually come to pass, and should not be construed as a recommendation of any security or investment plan. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Welcome to Fiscal Fitness with your hosts, John Grace and Daniel Medina. They have all the questions about investing, planning, retirement, and the future. You could say it's all they live for. While it can seem daunting getting everything sorted out and the important questions answered, they'll do their best to make it that much easier. Now, here's John Grace and Daniel Medina. Welcome, our friends. This is John Grace and Daniel Medina here, Fiscal Fitness on Voice America. So glad you could spend some time with us this afternoon as we look to see what's going on in the world and what it means to you and how to make sense for making finance make sense. Okay. And by the way, that is the title of my book, Making Finance Make Sense, and it's available uh, at Amazon and at eBay. If you uh, like to have a copy, we can send you one for free as a gift. Uh, we'll send that to you in the Kindle version. All we need is your email address. And really feel free to make all the kind comments you can so I can reach my goal of 2021 to get that book on the bestsellers list. And I need all the help I can get. So as you know, we like to look at the things in terms of what's going on now and, what, and then turn on the headlights and the GPS system to see what's going on around the road and how you can make sense out of what's going on and be prepared for the good, the bad, and the unforeseen. Most of us aren't prepared for the unforeseen. We have a set of expectations, and then we wake up, if we're lucky, and we are saying OS, and of course, that means oh shucks, right? Yes, of course, that's exactly what it means. Our uh, outline for today is to look at something we think is fascinating, something we're not at all surprised to see, but that's uh, how the pandemic has, is hurting frontline workers' finances more than others. It falls right in what we expected. And then we're going to have a great interview with Michelle Arntz. So we're looking at the, the stats every employer needs to address to retain high-quality uh, employees and attract high-quality employees. Uh, how do we do that with so many people saying, I really don't want to work. I don't want to show up right now. But And then we have uh, statistics from uh, clients who say that they send out uh, or they receive uh, applications and the people don't show up for the job interview after it's all confirmed in writing and in, over the phone. Very interesting times as we look to see what's going on. And speaking of interesting times, you know, a lot of us look for very easy answers to all questions. But as you know, sometimes the harder the question, the harder the answer. And sometimes many of us are putting our 401k or our retirement accounts on autopilot when they should uh, be requiring more attention. So we'll be looking at that from the standpoint of here's the pattern and here's what we see and here's what we think you really should be about. So in terms of what's going on, as you know, we like to look at what's happening with the Dow, the S&P and uh, the NASDAQ. And we don't just look at it in the last nanosecond with the market closing in about what, 54 minutes or so. But we wanna see how the uh, respective uh, indexes uh, have been doing so far this year. And we've got great numbers. I mean, you, you just can't be disappointed with these numbers. We'll see if they hold and we'll talk more about that. But what you're seeing for January 1 through July 14th is a, is a very, are three very good numbers. These are typically annualized numbers, but you're seeing them, what, for really the first half of 2021. Dow up 14.15%, positive day to the upside uh, with the market change on the Dow. We're seeing a similar story with the Standard & Poor's 500, slightly better number, 16.6%, another positive day for the S&P 500 year to date. And then when we look at the NASDAQ, it's up about 13.92% so far this year. So those are, those are all very good numbers. Uh, we just want to make sure that, you know, we see so often that people get complacent. And as one of the pandemic doctors uh, said, it, you know, when people get complacent, the problem is that they're not being prepared. Uh, they're not paying attention. And so that's how that OS moment shows up because something goes upside your head, which you weren't expecting. That's why we want to focus, help you focus on the good, the bad, and the unforeseen so that you can try your very best to be prepared for some of the things that you think may not happen, but in the event they do, you want to watch the event like you're watching a movie as opposed to being the main character <laughs> living through this uh, situation. You want to be able to watch it and keep eating the popcorn with the money uh, in your wallet and the popcorn in your lap as opposed to 
having all of that drama. So uh, that's what we see as far as the, uh, the, the NASDAQ, the Dow, and the S&P are going, are going on so far this year. Now let's turn our attention to what's happening with frontline workers. And this is, this is fascinating because we're in an office building in Westlake Village that's kind of like command central for our peers. I mean, everybody's within a two-mile radius of this particular location at Thousand Oaks and Westlake Boulevard. And, and I was talking to one of our peers in the, in the building, this was probably about October, and he said, you know, we just got to get this economy going again, and, and we just got to get people back to work. The, it, it's too important as far as the economy is concerned. And I said, uh, Rob, because that is his name, can I share something with you? I mean, I'm glad that we're peers and I can put something under your hat that I don't think you're really looking at. He said, what would that be? I said, well, the fact of the matter is, as far as I'm concerned, this uh, COVID-19, the rich people did it. What do you mean the rich people did it? I said, well, the rich people didn't create the vaccine, but you know what? We were carriers. Well, what do you mean? Well, the rich people like you and me, we tend to have passports. And what we did is we went and got the virus. And what do we do? We brought it back to the people who have no resources and have to be on the front line. You and I have the luxury of being able to work from home. People on the front line do not have such a luxury. So I appreciate that you want to get the economy going again. Let's just recognize for the most part, the, the impact is being right hit on the head. The brunt is being borne by frontline workers and they tend to be females and they tend to be minorities. They don't tend to be like people like you and me, where you have the luxury of being able to work from home, they have to show up. So, and by the way, let me just add that uh, Daniel and I are continuing in our firm to offer free financial planning services to all frontline workers. From what we can tell, last we looked, the average cost for doing a financial plan in America is about $2,000. We will sit with the individual or couple for 90 minutes, in office or on Zoom and put a plan in place. That's first and foremost. We'll talk more about that, uh, particularly in the third segment. But the point is before you put the money on X, Y, or Z, black or red, what do you want this money to do? When do you wanna make work optional? How much money are you gonna want at that point in time? Now, how can we get from point A to point B so that you can arrive on time safely, knowing that my plan is in place for me to stop working or choose to not work because I can, yet I know that I have 60, 70, 80, 100, 120% of the income we used to have to go get that will continue after I stop working. So here's what we're seeing in terms of uh, a study that was done. Uh, the low and moderate income frontline workers were constrained on the income side and also pushed on the spending side across the pandemic. And this is uh, from the Financial Health Network, which conducted a study in conjunction with BlackRock's Emergency Savings Initiative. They managed to make it through the most part by drawing down on savings much more heavily than other workers. See, this is that situation where you look at where you are and your friends, like our clients, we were just on a, on a conference call earlier, live in Wisconsin, and they saved a lot of money. They didn't spend a lot of money. They're the ones who are well-to-do. The ones on the other side of the equation, and they're more of the ones on the other side of the equation than the ones who are well-to-do, had to spend their savings more than other people. So you look at the folks you know, say, well, everybody must be saving because you're saving and everybody you know is saving, but you're not looking at the majority of people. And we should be looking at the majority first because there's just more of them. And, and, and you and those like you who are able to save and, and invest during this situation, uh, the, uh, you know, the, the disaster of epic proportions, they weren't able to do that. They had to save, they had to spend the little money that they save. And what we find is that 42% of frontline workers making $60,000 or less, $60,000 is below, by the way, the average household income in America is which about sixty-five, sixty-eight $68,000 in 2021. But the folks making 60,000 or less were able to spend less of their income compared with 52% of non-frontline workers who earn a similar amount. So we see that nearly half of the frontline workers, about 47%, could not pay all their bills on time last year versus 38% of non-frontline workers who, who didn't have that problem. So Daniel, this was a survey about 1,750 participants. Most were lower or moderate income workers. What are you seeing here? I was fascinated by this. Now, keep in mind, frontline workers are defined as anyone that comes within six feet of somebody. So those are healthcare workers, 
food manufacturers, uh, grocery store workers, people that work in restaurants, service industry people. There's a lot of them and we're a service industry. So a lot of our, a lot of our country is built up of, of, of um, frontline workers. So when you're, when you're looking at these kinds of stats, it's kind of scary. And you think about it now, not for the most part, healthcare workers, their jobs were pretty stable during the whole pandemic. But if you were, if you worked at a grocery store or your, your health was at risk, your, 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 um, your job was stable, but your health was at risk. Same thing with healthcare workers. If you worked in a restaurant or you're a food manufacturer, then your jobs were at risk. So there's, there was a lot of strain on a lot of people during the pandemic. And a lot of it came from um, childcare and transportation, which was fascinating. One you those, say it came from childcare and, and, and transportation. You're saying that those were additional costs that they had additional to Additional costs, for? right. Okay. Right. So now everyone's kids are at home. Right. You got to take care of those kids. You Somebody's got to be at home with the kids. Someone's got to be at home with the kids and they need something to do. So that's, that's where a lot of those, that extra cost came from. So it was, it was scary. These, these kinds of stats, stats are, they're not surprising, but they're scary. And the, the truth is we as Americans don't are not financially responsible so we can't go through something like this because it shocks us we don't have the savings that that we have we, we are not liquid enough to to not to, to, to bear those extra expenses well and you know it, it's kind of it's an amazing flip-flop with these numbers on the one hand we see 90 percent of frontline workers reported an increase in expenses as opposed to 85 percent of non-frontline workers did not see an increase in, in their expenses. Fascinating, exactly the opposite. And that's why we're saying, let's look, when we're looking to see what's going on, the first group you wanna look at are the average folks in America, because there's just so many more average folks, right? If you want to understand what was going on with an election at the, at the you know, for president, you could probably turn off the TV after Ohio Post close, okay? You don't have to wait for New York or California to find out the outcome. So there's just so more average people that are really making things happen as opposed to focusing on the, on the outliers, the people like you who have more education, have a higher income. They're, you're, you're just, they're just fewer of you. So make sure you look at the average folks first, the Homer Simpsons, if you will, of the world, as opposed to the ones like you in the mirror and your family and those people on your block. They're not average. You're living in an above average income household, above average income. You, you, you are an outlier. Look at the average first and then look at the exceptionals later. Part of the challenge is how do we fix this going forward? Now, this is a once in a lifetime event, the pandemic. I hope we but, hope, yes. I hope, but it's not. But the the problem is 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 still there. We don't have enough savings as Americans to to not have income coming in or to bear extra expenses. How do we fix that problem nationally? It's hard. It's there's not an easy way to do it. There's no easy way, but you know, it, it, nothing easy is probably worth going after, right? It's the hard things. In fact, this is uh, Monty Williams, right? We've got the, the Suns and the Finals. And, and I love his quote to his team, uh, the Phoenix Suns. He says, everything you want is on the other side of hard. Really? This is not easy. So don't think you're going to coast your way to success. You can only coast one way and that's downhill. So companies like Best Buy and UPS have apparently joined the BlackRock Emergency Savings Initiative to help their employees off by offering easy ways to set aside liquid savings accounts automatically as part of their 401k plan. So as I say, it doesn't have to be easy, but with a little attention, we can give it the kind of um, attention that the problem really deserves so that you can see, well, I, I should be taking some money and setting aside for a cash reserve at the same time, that's short term, at the same time that we're setting aside some money for the longer term to make work optional in 10, 20, 30 years, whatever it might be. And then of course, now the next question becomes, there's another 10, 20, 30 years where you want to keep work optional. So that means the money has to be sustainable so that your lifestyle can be, sorry, maintainable. Well, the challenge with something like that, I like the idea, but the challenge is we're, you're, now you're forcing people to do something they don't already want to do. You're not changing habits at that point. Hmm. You're going to have the same problem at some point because they're going to use the emergency money for something, they're, for something they're not supposed to use it for anyway, and they're going to have the same problem at some point else. We're not changing habits, and I think the challenge comes from, from lack of education. 
Well, that's for sure. Financial education, of course, in this, yes. in this, in this instance, and we just don't teach these kind of things. No one, no one really understands why they need emergency savings and why they need liquid, liquid money that they put their hands on. It, these things just don't get talked about. I think we well, talked and, about this last week. Well, that's why part of the reason we're doing this show. We think that this is important, and I appreciate the candidate, presidential candidate Andrew Yang, because he had the unmitigated gall to wear a little lapel pin that said math, M-A-T-H, a four-letter word that those of us here in these United States of America are afraid to use. We don't like math. We won't use the word. We'll cuss you out with a four-letter word, but you know we need to get familiar with that word and use it in our families and get people comfortable because you math is an everyday thing. You're not going to get away from it. So let's get some basic skills in place. And, and we will do that some, from the standpoint of how we can look at what some of the employers need in our, in our next session. So at this point, we're going to take a quick break Please stand by and we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. At Investors Advantage Corporation, our trademark statement, the proof is in the planning, represents the value we see in hard work and perseverance, coupled with a sound plan for the future. With the challenges facing our country's frontline workers, we see a lot being asked and not a lot given in return. To reward our nation's frontline employees and clients, we're offering our financial planning services free for anyone serving in those roles. So whether you're a nurse, a member of the police force, or a retail employee, we'd love to sit down with you and help you plan for the other side of this pandemic. Please feel free to share this offer with the critical infrastructure workers you know who are providing services where they are most needed. Visit YB4.com or call us at 805-495-2077. That's YB4.com or 805-495-2077. We are located in Thousand Oaks, California. Thank you for your service, and we look forward to lending a hand through your financial journey. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Fiscal Fitness. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at ybpoor.com. Now, back to Fiscal Fitness. Welcome back, folks. John Grace and Daniel Medina, my cohort in this show. So glad you could spend some time with us this wonderful Wednesday. And uh, we have covered uh, what's going on with the frontline workers' finances. That seems to apply to a whole, a whole host of us. And next up, we have our management consultant, Michelle Arntz. She's in uh, the greater Chicago area, uh, owner of Lazarus Learning where she believes that bad bosses are bad for business. And her job with through coaching is to help bosses become better at attracting good people and keeping good people on the job. So we're delighted that uh, Michelle could join us this, this today and want to look at her show-stapping statistics every employer needs to address so they can overcome today's most common recruiting and retention challenges. She has some, uh, some takeaways that you can fill in the gaps in your own organization. Michelle, what, what do you have for us? Oh, well, I, I have so many things. I, I was, honestly, I thought I was like a bobblehead um, listening to your introductory piece there. Thank you so much for having me on today. And, and just a few things I'll share right out of the gate, just to kind of segue in from what you're saying. First of all, I am terrible at math. And even I am on board with what you're saying about math. And I'm going to share some numbers today, too. So, I'm completely on board with um, what you're saying, and I think some of the things I want to share with you today will tie right in with with what you just spoke about for frontline workers. So um, I did a little experiment uh, a little earlier this spring, and I went on Glassdoor. Many people might be familiar with that site. 
And um, I took a look at, they had posted their top 100 companies, and it was based on employee feedback. So it wasn't the companies saying they were great. It was the people working for them, those frontline workers saying they were great. And I honestly just kind of skimmed, but I went down the 100 in the list, and I started tallying up where I saw patterns in the kinds of words that were being used or the things that people were talking about. And so if you'd like, I'd like to share with you what I discovered were the top five things out of that list. Does that sound good? Please. Yes. All right. All right. Well, surprise, surprise. No, no surprise. Item number one on the list was benefits. Now, you guys talk about money and you want to talk about money hard. I mean, people in this country, their benefits are typically tied to their job. So you better believe that the number one thing that people said that they loved about their company was the fact that they had decent benefits. And by the way, this is the only thing for any organization out there that is directly tied to a cost center, if you will. But you can reduce costs in this if you go beyond the usual aspects of medical, dental, and so on. And, and I'll weave that through what I'm going to share here. But, you know, think about um, benefits in terms of what are you doing for your staff when it comes to, oh, I don't know, mental health support, wellness incentives or programs, things that round out the yeah, I get to go to a doctor, which is important. But what about the extra benefits that might not be super costly, but go a long way to making people feel like, hmm, I really want to work here. You really do care about me, right? So um, I think that that goes a long way uh, to, to what we're saying. And, and, you know, here's some numbers I'll throw out there. Um, recent stats are showing that burnout rates, people, uh, at least 52% of workers said that they had experienced burnout in the last year. And 32% of people were saying that that's a key reason why they want to quit their job right now. They're burnt out. They're exhausted. So that, those are, I mean, can you imagine if 32% of your workforce up and walked out next week? Well, could yeah, that explain could some that. of the hesitancy for folks uh, not willing to come back to work? I definitely think so. I think that that's part of it. You know, they're, they're exhausted and they're like, what am I going to get into next? If I'm going to go out there and find something else, I'm going to look for somebody who gives me something better, who gives me something more, who, you know, looks at me as a holistic human being. I'm not a machine. Your workers are not machines, right? They're people first and foremost. So giving them some of those benefits, you know, things like, um, some companies are starting to do things like say, look, we're just going to shut down for the week. Y'all take the days off. We're done. Take a break. Step away. You know, giving them, insisting that they take their vacation time. You know how many Americans are, are proud of themselves for the fact that they say, hey, I haven't taken a vacation in the last 20 years. That is not anything to brag about. That's horrible, right? That's not fun. So think right. about those things. No, no, not good at all. That is, that is not a badge of honor. That is quite, quite the contrary. You know, thinking about giving those kinds of, what are you doing to um, help people? Not only, you know, I love what you guys are saying about let's teach math, let's teach money. Let's also teach things like how to be healthier and be more well, how to be more productive in less time. Uh, you know, big uh, uh, study came out of Iceland recently. They went to, you know, did a huge experiment in four-day work weeks. And what did right. you find out at the end of that? Oh, it, a four-day work week actually boosted productivity. Yeah, amazing. Talking. Who would have yeah. thought? So, you're, so number so, one's you know, benefits. What's number two? Number one on the list was benefits. Number two, no surprise here as far as I'm concerned either, was leadership and management. And, you know, when you talk about what is the impact of pandemic on frontline workers, you know, it, it's kind of, I look at it this way, how far back from the frontline battle is the general standing? You know, I mean, are you as a leader at the top, even remotely aware of what's going on? I mean, absolutely. Leadership starts at the top, but all levels of leadership in an organization need to be on the same page about what's going on. I mean, management you know, is one of those keystone roles in an organization that I just think is um, undervalued and underappreciated. And, and the stats prove it. Again, if I may share some wonderful numbers with you, 58% of people who are promoted into management have never, ever been trained or prepared for the job. 58%. I mean, would anybody out there accept 58% of airline pilots or 58% of doctors or 58% of teachers never being prepared for that job? I don't well, think to so. your and point, Michelle, I, 
Yeah, this is, uh, I think it was just in the Times, LA Times today, CEOs promised to cut their pay during the pandemic, but they ended up earning more. And there's a great picture of the president of Hilton Worldwide Holdings. His company announced he would forego his base salary in 2020. However, his total compensation more than doubled that year compared to 2019, according to federal filings and the Associated Press. Well, I love the story that CEOs put out there, but the reality turns out to be completely different. Oh, I mean, how wonderfully convenient for them, right? I mean, this, this listen, the, the leadership and management piece permeates every aspect of everything else that I'm going to share with you and your listeners today. Absolutely. You know, and here's the other thing. Here's a crazy number that came out. Monster.com put out a poll this month, July 2021, that indicated that 95%, 95% of workers are thinking of finding a new job. That is wow. staggering. You know, it really even is. if only half of those people were thinking of it, we have an engagement crisis. The very fact that you may have that many people in your organization thinking about not being there anymore is unbelievable. And that should be a wake-up call big time that something needs to be done. You know, well, so Well, tell us what number three is, and then tell us how you help as a management consultant. Absolutely. Third up on the list is company culture, which, of course, ties back to things like, you know, what does my leadership do or believe in? What kinds of benefits and things? How do they treat me? Uh, how do they do? Um, culture is absolute. You know, culture, as the old saying goes, eat strategy for breakfast. And I argue lunch, dinner, dessert, and snacks in between, too. Whatever you might say on paper in your organization, if you don't walk that walk and talk that talk, everybody knows, right? We've all lived it, right? We've all seen the thing that says, oh, we believe in this, that, and the other thing. But if you're not actively behaving that way and encouraging people to behave that way and rewarding that, your culture and your strategy are misaligned. And that's a very, very costly mistake, you know? 79% of workers are saying that a big reason why they want to quit or why they do quit is because that they, they don't get appreciated. They don't work in a culture that shows appreciation for effort and hard work. You know, simple things like this. So what can you do about all that? How, how can a person like me help with all that? Yes. Well, let's go in and have a look at what the heck is going on in your organization. You know, where are these pain points? And they, they might be all kinds of things. Maybe you're starting to see turnover uptick. You know, that's a big indicator right away. When you start seeing people rolling out the door, when you start seeing that it's hard to attract people, you know, like you said earlier in your, in your show, uh, people don't show up for work. People don't even show up for the interviews sometimes. What's going on? There's something that they're looking at. There's something that they're seeing or feeling that I think is disconnected. And that's a great place to start. Where are you coming from? What are you offering to people that would make you the employer that everybody wants to be with. And Do you have some examples of how you can help those dots get connected? Ab absolutely. I mean, I can come in and do all kinds of, of things. You know, let's have a discovery call first and foremost. Look at your pain points. And then from there, let's take a look at, you know, I specialize particularly in helping those frontline managers think and act more like leaders. You know, let's find that sweet spot for them between leadership capabilities, but also knowing and using best practices to tactically get their jobs done. How do I can help them understand and do a better job of new hire onboarding, which makes a huge difference in your culture and your performance. Let's look at how we handle terminations so we don't leave loose ends untied or things at risk. Let's look at how we go about interviewing and hiring people so that we get the right talent and we optimize our talent before they even come in the door. Not just all, for the job, but for the This team is what you company. do, customized like to that. each situation. Is that right? Absolutely. I, I make sure that it's a point that, you know, each and every, every organization is a little bit different. We all start with a, a you know, a core foundation of, of, you know, let's get the right things. But I also want to look at each individual organization and what's going on for them. Let's speak their language. Let's look at their particular situation for sure. Beautiful. So let's get your last two things that you want to make sure we cover, along with your contact information, please, in Chicago. Absolutely. Well, item number four on the list, again, no surprise, and touching on what you've already touched on, flexibility and balance. You know, people are looking for more options to, I, I want to work remotely. Please don't make me come back to the office. You know, 
perfect storm of this kind of stuff. And, and touching on the leadership piece and what you said earlier, too, I, I was thinking about this. And I've seen this with some of my clients. Oh, the C-suite wants everybody back in the office pronto. And the people who are being told to come back to the office are in panic mode because, like, kids aren't back in school yet. I can't get daycare for my kid. Um, I may be um, taking care of other people in my family. Like, could you give me a little wiggle room? Because it can be pretty easy when you're close to the top to not, to your point, not realize how your frontline workers really live day to day. It's not as easy as it is for people who are higher up or have the kinds of jobs that, you know, they get to work remotely um, if they get to work remotely. So I think more sensitivity and more thought and more creativity around giving people options to be a little more flexible and have a little more balance. Again, let's fight that burnout that turns people off and makes them go away. You know, let them turn their phones off. Let them shut down their email. Give them a weekend, you know. I mean, hey, if they want to work at 2 in the morning, maybe you let them do that. But don't demand that they work at 2 in the morning just because you like to. There's a thought. Mm. And then item number five on the list was being supportive, just the general sense of I feel supported here, which, again, I think ties back to every other uh, point on the list. But are you really stopping and listening to who you're working with and who's working with you? What did, you know, have, when was the last time you did an engagement survey? When was the last time you stopped and asked your employees, you know, what's working? Where are you stuck? What could we do differently that could make it better? You know, when was the last time you thought about having a coaching approach to performance as opposed to a telling or yelling approach to get that done, sucker, or else, right? We need to think about that. And that support system has to start at the beginning. The second you hire somebody you start with a great onboarding program and you work it out from there. You know, that those numbers, it's proven. You can improve retention by over 80% if you just support people with really good new hire onboarding. And guess what? 88% of companies out there don't have effective onboarding, if they have any at all. You know, 70% of performance variance is based on what the manager's doing. Is the manager coaching and supporting or is the manager yelling and telling? You know, it's these <laughs> kinds of things that make a world of difference, right? We can all, as I always say, bad bosses are bad for business. And I bet everybody listening to this right now is already thinking of at least one bad boss that they've had in their life or might have at this very moment. Am I right? Absolutely. And how about your contact information? And, and also, how are you compensated, Michelle? Absolutely. So contact information, I'm in the Chicago suburbs, but of course, thanks to virtual, you know, these things can be done all over the place. So I can be reached uh, either at my email, which is advanced at LazarusLearning.com, or I can be reached at 708-710-7045. If you want to blow up my phone, that's okay, too. You can find me on LinkedIn. Or you can go to my website at www.lazaruslearning.com. Um, and in terms of compensation, as I was telling Daniel earlier, well, I sure don't take checks for payments. That's, that's one thing I'll get straightened out right away. But compensation, I, again, that is going to be somewhat dependent on the scope of the project. So I work with individual clients to come up with what is a very um, – a reasonable and affordable way of making sure that we are getting issues solved and we are making things happen in a positive direction for their workforce. Beautiful. Well, Michelle Arntz, uh, we're so glad that you could be with us with Lazarus Learning uh, this afternoon to help employers. And, and Daniel and I are looking at those numbers too. On the one hand, we're seeing the number of filings for bankruptcy at an all-time high. At the same mm -hmm. time, we're looking at new yeah. businesses form formations at an all-time high. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's amazing how many things are happening simultaneously, almost on top of the reverse of each other, right? 90% yeah. here, 90% yeah. there, right? It's, 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 it's just... Through the roof. 
Exactly. Certainly in the last year, because some people are saying, take this job and shove it. I got to do my own thing and God bless mm-hmm. them. But we want to make sure that no matter what you're doing, you survive and thrive. So, so glad you could uh, join us this afternoon, Michelle Arntz, and we look forward to having you on again. And, and with that, we will take a short break and wrap up with the dangers of your 401k being on autopilot and how we are seeing some nosedives and what that means as far as what you can look forward to as far as the market is concerned. Uh, Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. At Investors Advantage Corporation, our trademark statement, the proof is in the planning, represents the value we see in hard work and perseverance, coupled with a sound plan for the future. With the challenges facing our country's frontline workers, we see a lot being asked and not a lot given in return. To reward our nation's frontline employees and clients, we're offering our financial planning services free for anyone serving in those roles. So whether you're a nurse, a member of the police force, or a retail employee, we'd love to sit down with you and help you plan for the other side of this pandemic. Please feel free to share this offer with the critical infrastructure workers you know who are providing services where they are most needed. Visit YB4.com or call us at 805-495-2077. That's YB4.com or 805-495-2077. We are located in Thousand Oaks, California. Thank you for your service, and we look forward to lending a hand through your financial journey. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Fiscal Fitness. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at ybpoor.com. Now, back to Fiscal Fitness. Welcome back, folks. John Grace and Daniel Medina here. So glad you could spend some time with us on this beautiful Wednesday afternoon. And we will continue on looking at uh, autopilot in terms of how we often become complacent, not keeping our eye on the ball. And in fact, when we look at some of the activities uh, just this week, we've seen a couple of days, including today, where the market took a nosedive in the middle of the day as investors were walloped with a hot uh, consumer price increase, inflation reading, okay? Uh, the CPI rose an eye-popping 5.4% in June, with core inflation coming in at 4.5%. Remember, the Fed's goal was 2%, so we're well above twice that. And the market was anticipating a flat 5% CPI number. So indexes turned downward immediately following the report. It should be noted that uh, June 2020 was the nadir of the pandemic inflation readings. So that makes this report look even bigger. The offshoot is that the inflation boogeyman returns. So we're saying, and Finsome agrees here, that you might plan on preparing for a big sell-off across the board. I mean, we just saw it in one day as far as bonds are concerned, especially if the Fed or a member of the Fed makes any tightening comments. But as we're looking at it from a day-to-day basis, we're also saying you need to look at it from the standpoint of suppose there's a market upset that crushes stocks, let's say what we've seen before, like 50%. Would that be okay with you? That's such an important question for you to answer 
in advance because as Daniel and I were was on we were on a call earlier today where we're looking at a a, a couple where the husband asserts that he could live with a 12% decline and that's after we pose several questions and we're happy to pose you we can send those to you and you can answer those questions and find out probably for the first time what kind of loss can you live with his estimate was i think i can live with a 12% loss we showed those losses both in dollars and percentages People don't quite grasp percentages, but we all see the dollars. And it turns out that his portfolio uh, in 2008 was off 48.5%. And remember, he said he'd be willing to live with a 12% decline. So this becomes a very apples to apples comparison from the standpoint, this is what you can live with. This is what you went through. Do you want to do the repeat? Do you want to deja vu all over again? If your portfolio was off 48%, when the market was off 37%, 2008, are you any better prepared for the next time than you were the last time? If there have been no changes, it might be like moving deck chairs on the Titanic. You're, the ship is going down never to see light again, ever never again. So the point is, how can we move the, those deck chairs over to the sand, get them off the deck of that ship altogether, let the ship go down to wherever it's going, we'll never see those people and those things again. <laughs> but you are whole sitting on the sidelines on the sand, you're not a participant in this event, you are an observer, which makes it easier to have a nice day, and probably easier to have a nice life. So we're looking uh, at earnings, and they're beginning to roll in for the second quarter for many U.S. companies. Here's the disconnect, though. The expectations are soaring through the roof, as analyst consensus is 64% growth for the S&P. Earnings are expected for banks to be about 80%. However, UPS strategists said that pandemic responses and the government's response are driving profit surges and expectations. They lifted their year-end S&P estimates to 4,500. Uh, that makes the ratios very high and well above moving averages. But here's the thing. Will those averages hold? That's why we want you to recognize what kind of loss you can live with and then see if you can prepare your portfolio to perform within your expected loss parameters. That would be a goal. It's not a guarantee. But if we don't set goals, as I say, we're going to repeat the past because we didn't learn anything from it. And in my opinion, Americans are very good at repeating the past because we don't learn from the past. Now, UBS suggests that these low interest rates have helped justify these valuations. At the same time, they're saying that investors might want to tilt toward consumer, discretionary, energy, and financials, and that value is more attractive as PE is elevated to near dot-com levels. That's a problem. Are we back to dot-com levels? We know that the NASDAQ, starting that the early 2000s, uh, was off uh, 80% in about 30 months. And let's remember the, you know, the roaring 20s started with a bang and ended with a bust. So we want to make sure that you understand you do not have to sit on the rail on the railroad track or in the the uh, roller coaster ride with your arms and hands inside the vehicle trying to hold on. No, let's get you off the tracks. Let's get you off the roller coaster. Let's move the money out of risk assets into cash. Let's look at active management strategies so that your portfolio might hold up better than the averages. And let's look at uh, diversifying unlike you've ever diversified before. So that way you might have a more consistent generator as far as your income is concerned and a less volatile experience as far as your net worth is concerned. That's what we think is so important. So we see the same kind of thing going on here with the uh, 401k, Daniel, in terms of people putting their accounts on, on autopilot. And, and it seems like the, and we work with 401ks, we, we take them over, we establish uh, established new ones for uh, employers all the time. But what are you seeing here, Daniel, in terms of uh, the common uh, attitude or action that many employees are taking when it comes to their 401k? So this is in regards to target date funds. And what a target date fund is, is a specific fund that is built to track a person's age. And as they're younger, the, the fund becomes is more aggressive. And the idea is that as you're younger, you have more time, so you can afford to be more aggressive and you have time to make up any losses. As you get older and closer to retirement, the fund gets more conservative. 
the idea there again, the same thing is, as you're, as you're older, you don't have time to make up those losses if you see them. So the fund gets more conservative based on a specific date. And the date is typically tar tied to a retirement projection, usually around six in the mid sixties. Um, so that's, that's what a target date fund is. And for a lot of 401ks nowadays, they're, they're using target date funds as the default investment option. And the default investment option is a way for the company to remove some of their liability. So if you're a new employee and you're going into the in, into the 401k, what used to happen is you had to make a selection. And if you didn't, you got dropped in, in a cash account. Now, if you don't make a selection, you get dropped. A lot of times you get put into the target date fund. That way your, your, your money is invested with some kinds of principles on it. And that removes some of the liability for the company. It's a good thing for everyone. The money doesn't get sit there sitting cash, um, and the company knows that their their employers, employees are getting taken care of, and it's it's ninety five percent of of deferred compensation plans, four hundred one k plans, four hundred three bs, those kinds of plans offer target date funds today, and eighty percent of workers use the target date funds, and what's even what's even more fascinating for me is. Two thirds of those 80 people that, that actually that use the targeted funds only have that one single fund. So 100% of their money is in a target date fund. So let's talk about this a little further, Daniel, because you've been here as the main math man since uh, September 2006, as I recall. And we've certainly, this isn't our first time to the rodeo. I've been here since 1979. I'll always remember uh, that year, the 87, uh, 2000, 2008, even first quarter 2020. And by the way, folks, what I'm saying here real quickly is notice that there was, what was it, Daniel, a 20% decline in 2018, a 35% decline in 2020. And our research team is suggesting get ready for what might be a 47 to a 50% decline sometime this year. Please recognize that what they see is a loss of 20% in 18 to 35% in 2020. Notice the second loss was lower than the first. They're suggesting it did research that this is a pattern that most people do not see, that the next decline will probably be more severe than the first two. And that might occur in the very near future. So when you were here in 2008, Daniel, and we were looking back at how the target date funds actually performed, we understand what they were supposed to do. <laughs> and then what did you recognize was the reality in terms of their decline in that debacle of 2008 relative to the market? Well, the funny thing is the targeted funds did exactly what they were supposed to do. The challenge was people didn't understand what they're supposed to do. There's confusion as far as what the date means. And if your if your target date is well, let's say let's say your target date is around your 60th birthday. Your 60th birthday means you're still going to be around for another 30 years. So you're not exactly a short-term investor. And a lot of times the target date funds didn't get as conservative as people thought they should have. So target date funds got hit pretty hard in 2000 and 2008. Like and if, as I recall, some of them were off as much as an all equity portfolio in 2008 in terms of their losses. Yeah, that, that's, that's true. And, and the, those were typically the target date funds that were a little further out. So they were a little more aggressive, but people, they didn't get as, as, as conservative as, as people thought they should have. Well, and this is the whole point, folks. You've got to keep your eye on the ball. We must be attentive. We just can't look for an easy answer, throw a dart in the dark, throw the close the door and expect everything just to magically somehow do what we imagined it to do. No, you've got to keep your eye on the ball, go back and look to see, is this doing what I needed to do? That means looking at it no less than once a year, okay? Maybe quarterly, but are my expectations being met here as opposed to believing that this is just going to do what I thought it was going to do? And then I find out, as I say, it's another one of those OS moments, oh shucks, <laughs> here we go again. And then the question becomes, if the decline is too severe, and there is upside behind the decline. Will it take longer than you expected? Will it happen within your time frame, Or might it take more time than you imagined? And as we've discussed, when we look at the, the there was only the, the Dow back after the depression uh, off, uh, what was it, Daniel, 80% or so? 
80% or so. Uh, and it took, what, uh, maybe 20 years to get back to even. And, and remember that if you were an adult during the Depression, that life expectancy was mid-50s. That's right, mid-50s. So if you were 40 and your account was down 80%, uh, Daniel's done the math, a million dollars suddenly turned out to be 108000 And what I'm saying here is that it took longer than you were alive for that account to come back. Hmm, could that happen again? And we've talked about the same pattern happening with the Nikkei 225 in Japan, their stock market uh, off 80% as of uh, roughly 12, 29, 1989. It's still 20% below its high water mark back then. That's now over 30 years ago. So if you were 50 and you're now 80 and you're still not back to even, assuming you didn't need any money over those 30 years that the account's been off, uh, are you having fun yet? So that's why for us, it's so important, as we say, for people to really recognize what game are we playing? What are the rules? Where are the refs? And how can I move to safety along the lines that make sense to me, as opposed to just believing I can be complacent and turn into Rip Van Winkle, put my head in the sand. And as I'm fond of saying, I'm revealing some very dear parts just dangling in the wind. That's right. So you, we've got to make sure that you don't just go to sleep and put the money on autopilot as the target date funds uh, often work. And, and it also comes back to something that you always talk about, Daniel, and that's what do you want this money to do? Well, yes, that it, that's, that's always the first question that we ask. And the challenge with the target date funds is they have nothing to do with your particular scenario. It's a very generic way to invest. And people think as long as I put my money in a targeted fund, I'll be, you know, I make contributions, I'll be good. Well, that's not the case. You don't, you, you have no idea how much you need to save or what kind of return you need or how much you're going to need to retire. And those are very specific questions that you can get answers to that people don't take the time to go figure out. And that's the challenge with our 401k market. We lack that kind of education. Well, and we were just working with the healthcare professional on, on Friday, thanks to her son, brought her into the equation. She's making, what was it, $120,000 a year. And we looked to see what kind of account she has uh, through the employer. And it turns out there's, what was it, Daniel, three fifty dollars roughly every paycheck twice a month. So there were $700 a month contributions. And we asked the question, how did you come up with this particular figure? <laughs> how is it at $700? And her answer is, I don't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> we're, uh, you don't know. Well, who does? <laughs> so it's better. It's better than nothing. It's just we have no idea if that's enough. It, that's the point. And that's what if I think it's got to be eight hundred. Maybe yeah, eight fifty. And 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 now the you know you 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 missed out on you, she's going to work with another fifteen years. And and if you could have been at eight fifty, that might have gotten there that the amount you need. But you left it at seven hundred, and you're still short. And that's the point. How if you want to replicate one hundred twenty thousand dollars a year, if that's how you roll and that's how you want to live. You, there's got to be some real work that's done so that you can see that you can stop working, but the money will keep coming to you at the same level that you used to go out to earn that money. Now, how is it you're going to set aside the funds and take the withdrawals and make sure your declines aren't too severe so that your income can be around $120,000 if that's what you want it to do. And, and, and now you see the goal. And then the question becomes, can we make sure this keeps happening for the next uh, 10, 20, 30 years? That's the challenge. And that's why we're here. So we're delighted that uh, you could join us on uh, Fiscal Fitness here at uh, Voice America. And Daniel and I will be right back here, same time, same station, same bat channel, same bat station next Wednesday between 12 and 1 Pacific time. We'll look forward to seeing you then. If you have any questions, feel free to give a hold of us because that does help drive what it is that we come up with is material we think we can you'll find useful and beneficial to, again, prepare for the good, the bad, and the unforeseen. We'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning to Fiscal Fitness. Please join John Grace and co-host Daniel Medina again next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have an excellent week.